This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. At the Turn is brought to you by Vice Golf. Vice is a German company that makes premium quality golf balls for half the premium price. The Pro and Pro Plus were awarded a gold medal on Golf Digest's annual hot list, making Vice the only small company to win the magazine's highest award. Use the promo code TURN when you check out at vicegolf.com to get free shipping. That's promo code TURN. Golf balls shouldn't cost more than the round of drinks afterwards. What's your vice? This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Howdy! This is another edition of At The Turn. My name is Joe. Nick is joining us, as always. Nick, uh, before we started, you told me you are having a little pet trouble this morning. <laughs> yeah, I uh, accidentally let the cat out. And so I'm trying to get the cat back in while not let no while not letting the dogs out. And uh, she's gonna blow up in my face one way or another. I just know it. So if we're in the middle of a conversation and you immediately <laughs> dart out, just let me know when I can fill the space. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. I'll do that. So <laughs> I'm very excited. I just got back from a very fun golf trip down to Central Oregon, which is one of the best places in the United States, maybe the world, to take a golf vacation. There's Dozens of courses, a handful of which are in the top 100 public courses in the United States. And it was just a really cool experience. We played three courses. The weather cooperated at the end of the trip, not at the beginning of the trip. I can't remember if I sent you the video of the weather that we encountered at the start of the trip, Nick. No. So when I was driving down there, so you're at elevation. You're like at 4,000 feet in the Bend, Central Oregon area. And I went around the mountain. You can go over the mountain and encounter a lot of snow or around the mountain. I did that. And I was on back roads in the middle of nowhere, pouring rain. There was a stretch I actually counted where I didn't see a car for 20 minutes in either direction. So I was out there in it. Anyway, I was able to get there. Very, very cold, like 36 degrees. But the forecast doesn't call for anything that's really going to be... Nasty enough to where we're not going to play golf, right? So we, we all wake up about 8 o'clock in the morning. The tea time is for noon. And it is dumping snow outside. I mean, not a couple of snowflakes. 
it is dumping snow, but we're like, ah, it's not really sticking. We don't tee off for two, three hours. No big deal. Well, the closer we got to the tee time, the harder the snow started to fall down. It was dumping on us. So long story short, we get to the first course, lost tracks, course and bend, beautiful golf course. Really, really nice. The, the, the weather worked out in our advantage in this way. They only charged us $39 with a cart, and this course usually costs over 100 bucks. So that was awesome wow. to see. Very, un, very uncommon in the Portland area for courses to adjust their uh, green fees based on the weather, which drives me nuts. But this course did. So first couple holes are nice. By the time we get to the middle of the front nine, it is just dumping snow. It is starting to stick. Uh, I'm questioning every decision that has led to that moment. But we get through the front nine, back nine opens up, and the rest of the trip is really nice weather-wise. So I know I'm kind of taking the long way to get to my point. So we played Lost Tracks. We played Meadows at Sun River, Sun River Resort in Central Oregon. And then we played Tethero. Now, Tethero, I think, is ranked oh, it's somewhere in the 60s of best public golf courses in the United States. Very, very new. It was only built in the last, I think, 10, 20 years, maybe. A lot of money pumped into that golf course. I mean, you look around the entire landscape, besides the beauty of Bend, you see mountains in the background, this just gorgeous views. There's million-dollar homes everywhere, $1.5 million homes. We get a caddy. We play with this caddy. He tells us all this interesting information about how much it costs to join the club, $50,000, the yearly <laughs> dues, $20,000. So it's not cheap to be a member of that course, obviously, or to live in that area. And to just sort of be a part of all that, it, while it was really, really fun, I felt a little bit out of place at the same time. So incredible For experience. Sure. How do you, I got I got like several questions. I'm just going to like interview you. Go, about yeah, do it. First of all, how do you get on a course that has a $50,000 membership fee and a $20,000 annual annual dues fee. You just you just walk up and pay, you know, 90 bucks and, and play or how do you how do you arrange that? I'm assuming it's a private course. So I wait till October and I pay 100 one. <laughs> Yeah, I pay I pay $150 and that includes your caddy fee. <clears throat> now you have That's to you have to tip your caddy afterward and they recommend tipping 20 bucks. I can't remember the guy's name and I feel bad about that. But we had the absolute perfect caddy for us. Tall guy, big bro, just super laid back. It was like he could have been a, the, the fourth in our foursome the whole weekend, and it would have been perfect. So he just had a really good demeanor. So he's not, he's not carrying our sticks, right? We have carts, and there was three of us. And so he rode in the cart as the fourth the majority of the day. The group ahead of us had four people, and I thought, oh, that's too bad for the caddy. He has to walk. No. They have a golf board that they go on, you know, like the skateboard yeah, deal. So the caddy is rolling on that. And of course, he's got like the cool, like master style, like white overall onesie kind of situation going oh on God. for his. Oh, Nick, it was so cool. So having the caddy was fun because you go into a bunker, you hit the shot. The caddy is like before you're like mad about the result of your shot finishing where it did, the caddy's like already raking the bunker for you. It's spectacular. So basically, awesome. he's not a caddy for one player or another. He's a four caddy. So he's the caddy for the entire group. So basically, he'll go on the tee. He'll take out his little rangefinder binoculars. He'll say, okay, it's 220 to this, 270 to that. You want to hit this club here. And when we're out in the fairway, he'll like run to everyone's ball real quick. 
and he'll give you a yardage. Okay, 130 to the flag. I want to see you hit about 115. And then as soon as I have my thing, he'll run over to my buddy who's on the other side of the fairway. All right, Chris, you got 105 to the flag. Hit it about 110. Let it roll back. It, I mean, I was not playing well that day, so I couldn't really do that. But it was such a huge benefit. And this is the second time I've had a caddy. I had one down at Bandon, too. Same kind of deal, a four caddy. And when you play those types of courses, it makes sense that you have a caddy because there's so many blind shots. There's so much undulation in the greens. If you didn't have someone telling you what to do, you'd be lost out there. So one thing I want to ask you, Nick, I know you haven't had a caddy before, but if someone was to follow you around, tell you what to do, where to hit it, loosen you up, keep you ready to go, how many shots do you think that would take off your average score? Uh, well, that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that because, I mean, I, I know a guy, like my former boss, he was um, not much of a golfer, but he'd play, you know, as much as he could, but, you know, it was never really that good. But he said he played a really nice course one time. We kind of like lucked into the situation where he was there for like a media event and the spot opened up. So he went out and played. And he said he shot something like in the mid 80s, which was like 10 or 15 strokes better than he <clears throat> usually played. And like, five or 10 better than his all-time best when he had a caddy basically telling him exactly how to hit every single shot. Um, I don't know that I could say that, but if I had like, you know, a pretty good day swinging the club and rolling some putts in and I had somebody telling me exactly where to land every shot and how to hit it and, you know, give me that little extra confidence and what club to use and where all the, you know, blind trouble is, um, I'd like to think I'd save like, five to seven or eight shots. I think that's fair. For me, it comes into play when I'm in trouble. So, you know, you're standing there. Maybe you've, 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 you've hit a bad tee shot. You clipped a tree trying to punch it back into play. Now you're standing there about 260, water on the right. You're thinking, all right, all I got to do is pop a five wood out left to right, land it on the green, two putt for a bogey. I'm good here. The caddy's going to be like, hey, Joe, hit a pitching wedge. Hit another pitching wedge, two putt, don't do anything crazy. Let's take a snowman out of the equation. Just try to make the best score we can, get on to the next hole. I think changing your mindset on <laughs> holes that could be a disaster <laughs> is where it would come into play the most for me. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, um, it would be getting out of trouble or, or, you know, like realizing where the trouble is. I remember one time I was playing a course for the first time and we were through like six or seven holes and I was only a few over par, maybe like four over par through seven or eight, which is good for me. You know, I usually shoot like in the mid to high 90s, if not worse. Uh, so I was like, all right, feeling pretty good. And then all of a sudden this tee shot, I normally have a slice on a lefty, so that, you know, my, my miss would be to the left. I like kind of overcorrected one time, I hit it to the right, and there was fairways on both sides. There was adjacent holes on both sides, so I didn't really think anything of it. But it turns out there was like, in this one particular spot on the course, if you went on the fairway to your right, it was out of bounds. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't yeah. off the course, but they just marked it as out of bounds. But there was no way of knowing that unless you played there before. So I'm like, well, I easily could have just ballooned one off to the left and, you know, made a bogey and, and still been in pretty good shape. But instead, I'm like, now I'm all pissed off walking back to the tee because it was out of bounds that I didn't even know existed on this hole. And like the rest of the round was just garbage <laughs> from there. So I'm like, <laughs> if someone could tell me where to to like aim where where the good miss is. You know what I mean? Like I think that would would save me two strokes at a time a few times. So the caddy was very helpful in particular on one hole. 17 at Tethero is a par 3. It's 155 yards and 
I mean, the view was unbelievable. The mountains are in the background. The sun was starting to set, so a lot of shadows were cast over the green. And he said, all you want to do is hit this one right at the flag. It'll roll back to the hole if you put it in the right spot. And so my buddy Chris gets up there, and he was playing pretty good. I think he shot uh, in the mid-'80s, which was a really good round for uh, how the rest of us played. So Chris got up there. He hit one right on the number. It lit, And mind you, I couldn't see this. These guys could see what was happening, but I couldn't see what was happening around the green. I was just judging by their reactions as what was going on. So Chris hits it right at the flag. Apparently it bounces near the hole. It goes up the slope and started trickling back toward the hole. And they're all freaking out. They're getting really excited like, oh, my gosh, Chris, here we go, Chris. And so Chris is finished about, I don't know, three feet away from the hole. And I was the last one to hit because I had a bad hole in the prior hole. And I hit a nine iron, and I caught it really well. And it looked like it was right at the flag, and I couldn't see it land or anything, but they were all very excited. The ball landed near the hole, went up the slope, and was trickling down, and they were like, did it go in? Did it go in? I think it went in. Did it go in? The caddy like runs up to the tee. He pulls out his binoculars. He looks in. He's like, I can't see it. I can't see the ball. It's got to be in the hole. So everyone gets in their carts. We drive down. We like run up to the green as fast as we can. And someone's like, ah. Oh. And the ball somehow finished in front of the hole like two inches away. I mean, oh it, was, it was about as close as you can get. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because I had a fear in my head. I described the amount of money that is at Tethero. High rollers, big spenders at this place. And I have experience. I made a kind of a goofy hole in one at a pitch and putt course, and I had to buy everyone in the bar a beer. So I made like a fake hole in one, and I dropped 100 bucks doing it. And that has always been like something I've remembered. It's like, yeah, a hole in one would be fun, but. So there was like a two-minute period where I thought I made a hole in one at this epic golf course, and I was thinking to myself, God, if we get in the bar and I have to buy everyone a drink, I'm probably going to have to spend $300 on this hole-in-one. Now, I know that sounds kind of dumb, but that was a legitimate concern that I had. So I'm probably going to get a lot, a lot of flack from this, but I was slightly <laughs> relieved when the ball didn't go in the hole. Oh, my God. Joe, after you just said on our last episode you'd rather have a hole-in-one than, than an albatross, now you're saying you're relieved you didn't get a hole-in-one. Well, now that I've had an actual brush with it, I, the, the consequences Joe. were in my mind. You, you have like a four-minute window of your life where you know what it feels like to have a hole-in-one. <laughs> even, even if I didn't actually have it, I felt like I had it. And it was, yeah. it was, it was, it was terrifying, Nick, really. It, it was because I, I feel like I would have been stuck with a big bill. That's, that's yeah, just my man. takeaway. You, gotta, you just got to bite the bullet on that, you know? Like, so, you know what? Yeah, yeah, it was a big bill. So what? Like, I can see if, if that ever happened to me, if I were ever so lucky, you know? My wife would probably give me like the evil eye. Like, oh, yeah. you spend afterwards, I'd be like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Like, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Um, so you so, yeah. you have no concern. I, Just give, no concern. Give you, you know, the ace. The bigger the bill, the better the story. <sighs> really? Yeah, for sure, man. I I can see your point. <laughs> it was just terrifying. And you know, it in retrospect, if it went in and I had to pay the big bill, you're right. It would have made for a good story. Um, especially with the vice golf balls, which I played with all weekend in Central Oregon. But it was just, uh, yeah, I guess the last thing on that point is my favorite my favorite moment of the weekend is we all teed off on a par three, and all three of us were playing vice golf balls, and I was just so, I was so excited. I pointed out, I was like, guys, this is the perfect day. We're out here, it's sunny, we're all playing vice golf balls. It was, it was awesome. That's great.
Well, good stuff. I'm glad uh, you got to share your story of your golf trip. I've never had like a bro golf trip before, but I really want to do that at some point. We'll make uh, it happen. We'll, we'll make you the fourth next time, Nick. Yeah, for sure. Let's plan on that. So we're going to... I just got to give a shout out. Yeah. My favorite beer, Mirror Pond, um, <laughs> is from Deschutes Brewing in, in uh, Bend, Oregon. And, it is. Uh, cannot get enough Mirror Pond. So um, I was happy when I saw you were going to Bend. Yeah, man. They got a lot of good beer, a lot, a lot of good skiing, and a lot of good golf in Bend. So, folks, uh, yeah, if, if you're looking for a... <laughs> if you're into any of those kind of things. <laughs> yeah, if any of that interests you, uh, check out Bend, Oregon. It was, it was really, really a cool time. So, uh, Nick, I think we should, we should pause here. Coming up, we have all kinds of Tiger talk to get to, and a golf ball that we have talked about. It's not Vice. It's not Vice. A golf ball we have talked about is back on shelves, and we'll get to those right after this. So, Nick, the MVP of the Central Oregon golf trip was Vice Golf. And not just the golf balls, but I got a new lid from Vice Golf. Everyone was asking me about it. Everyone wants to get... First of all, my friends were asking me for a free one, and I told them you can get free shipping with promo code TURN when you go to vicegolf.com. It was so great. People were, were checking out the hat. They were asking what Vice Golf is, and I was telling them all about it. And Vice Golf Balls, half the premium price premium quality use that promo code turn you get free shipping check out the hats beanies umbrellas too joe i was very excited earlier in the week uh i saw something that the kirkland signature golf balls were back in stock and i wasn't going to purchase any i already got some i kind of wore off that novelty uh earlier in the summer but um, I was just excited to see. It's kind of like been this ongoing saga for about a year now. The Costco golf balls, if you don't know, there are at least these golf balls that are like wicked cheap. They're like 30 bucks for 48 golf balls or something like that. And they've got all these reviews that says, say they're basically like as good or if not better than Pro V1s. So they were flying off shelves. You can't get them. Um, they've been back a few times and been gone. I was lucky enough to get a box myself. They were back earlier this week for the first time in probably six months, but I think they're gone again now. I tried to I tried to look them up this morning and they were nowhere to be found. So, if you were lucky enough to get some of those Kirkland signatures, uh, they were available, but they're gone as of this morning. And by the time you're listening to this, they're probably definitely gone. Did you get a chance to play yours, by the way? I gave them to the old man for his birthday, yeah. and I don't. No, we've we've played a couple times this year, and I don't know if he's used them. I think he's hanging on to them, mostly because he thinks they're going to be a collector's item, which is probably true. Like, what are they trying to do with these golf balls? What is what is the end game? They're going to have special releases every six months? It's like the McRib with McDonald's. Like, let's get all this hype built around it, and we'll release it for two weeks, and then it'll just go away. Is the mystique around these the appeal? Do you, I don't I don't I don't get it anymore, Nick. Uh, I think at this point it is. Uh, I mean, like I said, they tested really well, and so people wanted to get them. But now, and as one of our guests, uh, Zach Kozahowski, earlier in the earlier in our career, pointed out <laughs> that uh, you you can't get enough of them to play them consistently to to get that advantage yeah. that, they, that they provide. So I think now it's just like, ooh, I got those, you know, Kirkland signatures. I got those eggs. Like, exactly. I, I've played them a few times and people have been like, oh, my God, where did you get those? Like, did you just find those? One time I <laughs> one time I played with them for a whole round and I was spraying it all over the course. <laughs> and then this guy I was playing with was like, oh, those are Kirkland signatures. He's like, I kind of want to go back and try to find some of those ones you lost <laughs> earlier. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fun. The price is cool. And if you happen to time it well enough where you can get your hands on, I don't know, three, four dozen, go with God. But Zach's point, I think it was episode three, if you want to dig in the archives for that. It was a really good chat with Zach. But the the point he made was one I hadn't thought of, and it's the best point so far. Even if it is comparable to a Pro V1, it's not a Pro V1. So you're going to have to get used to, all right, my 8-iron goes this far with it. When I slice a driver, this is how far right it goes. You know, you have to get used to what a golf ball does. And if you can't play them consistently enough to figure that all out, I think it's just a waste of time. It's not a waste of money because, look, it's fun. It's a collector's item. That's all well and good. But I think it's probably going to hurt your golf game more than it's going to help it. Yeah, sounds good. That's about all the Kirkland signature talk I got in me. <laughs> so we should move on. Well, Nick, um, you have the premise for this episode's Would You Rather. So you want to lay it on the fans here? Yeah, I do. So uh, just a quick backstory. Um, when I first got into golf, I wore out the University of Idaho golf course. I played it every day for like three straight summers. I almost never played another course. Since then, I've moved around two different times to areas that have plenty of different golf courses to offer. And I've really never played the same course consistently. So my would you rather for you this week, Joe, is would you rather play one course 20 times over the course of a year, or would you rather play 20 different courses for the first time ever over the course of a year? And this ties into your golf trip. You played three courses, presumably for the first time in your life, you're learning the new course. Uh, so yeah, which would you rather? So before I answer, I'll say this, and disagree or agree. After you play a golf course for the first time, isn't your immediate thought like, oh man, if I play that course again, I'm going to save at least four to six strokes because I know how to play this hole, that hole, and that hole better than I did based on seeing it and playing it for the first time and getting a second go around. A hundred percent. That's what I feel every time I've played a course for the first time, I think three, I think the third time playing it is the sweet spot. Like that's when you have the familiarity with it that you can really play your game and play the course rather than learn the course. So yeah, I, that's how I feel every time. I'm going to, I'm going to pick play one course 20 times because if you find a course, that's a course you like, say it's a course like, well, it's, a fake premise, so let's just go nuts. If you play, <laughs> like, Pebble Beach 20 times, sure. If I could play that one course 20 times by about round, you know, 17, 18, 19, I got that thing dialed in, Nick. I'm ready to go. Sure. I know I know how to play that 100-yard par 3 toward the ocean. I know what I'm doing finally. But if I'm, you know, going to Pebble, if I'm going to Cypress Hill, if I'm going to Augusta, if I'm going to Sawgrass, I feel like yeah. I'm defeating my Who argument now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to stick with my original thing just because I feel like you have a lot more fun knowing what you're doing. And at, maybe maybe the, the way to look at it is what's your goal? So if you're playing one course 20 times, theoretically, your score is going to improve. If you're playing 20 different courses for the first time, while it's going to be fun and have that whole feeling of it being a novelty and I'm checking out this new track and it's, it's a lot of fun, um, I think in the back of my mind, knowing how competitive I am, I would be frustrated knowing that I left four to six shots on those golf courses despite how fun they are. Right. Uh, 
I'm with you 100%. I'm actually surprised you, you answered that. I thought you were going to say 20 different courses, and I thought you might even laugh at me for this being such a stupid question. Who wow. would play 20 courses? No, but I'm with you 100%. I want to play the same course. I want to know the course. I want to learn the course. Not only does it help your score, and like you can compare how you're doing against other times, like, oh, this is the longest drive I've hit on this hole. Usually it goes you know, in line with this tree off to the right, but now I'm 10 yards ahead of that. Or you might have some cool memories. Like, remember that time I stuffed it to two inches on this hole? You know, that was cool. You know, so like, it just brings back some memories. You can compare, um, you have the familiarity with it. It's more laid back. You don't have to like stress out or get pissed off when you hit it into like a blind gully where you, you didn't know there was like a little stream running through the middle of the fairway or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, I, I would much rather play one course 20 times and for me so i live in hawaii right now there's 38 courses on the island that i live on and so for the first like when i first moved here i would gotten like a helicopter ride with my wife it was kind of like a, a gift somebody gave us and so we're flying over the island and i'm like look at all these golf courses i'm gonna try to play every single one of them and so my goal for a while was to play as many different courses as possible and after a while it just got really frustrating because it's like show up to this course I'm pretty much playing by myself all the time, so I have no idea what the course does, and I, I don't have anyone to, t to help me. And uh, yeah, it just it just gets old hitting it in places you didn't know existed and uh, not knowing what the greens do. It takes a while to adjust to like, you know, the speed and the undulations of the greens. Uh, sometimes you don't know which tee boxes to play because every course colors them differently and you're not quite sure which one is is the best for you, so yeah. I'm with one course 20 times uh, every time. So I'm curious about your quest to play all of the courses on your island. Is that something you're going to continue to try to do? Um, you know, in another month or so, I'll have the opportunity to start uh, getting the sticks out again. So I might try to cross a few more off the list. I've got 21 down. Um, the problem is I think there's seven that are private country clubs and like six or seven more that are military courses. Um, not to say that you cannot get on those courses, but it's just either a lot more expensive or you have to know somebody or, or you can't get on them. So I don't know if I'm going to try to get on all 37 or 38. I might try to cross off, you know, five more off the list before I get out of here, but we'll see. Dude, you just sent, you just sent shivers down my spine when I'm looking at the date right now, a month from now. So when we're recording this, that's about, you know, Thanksgiving time. That's when you're going to ramp up your golf season and get the sticks out. I'm, I'm looking outside. It's, it's, it's 45 degrees and rainy right now in downtown Portland. Oh, man, that is uh, that's a tough life. Yeah, yeah, it's really rough. A lot of sunscreen. So how many, how many new courses did you play for the first time this season? Um, in 2017, I've played eight new courses. That's pretty good. In 2016, I played 22 new courses. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so, man. Uh, yeah. So in 20, or I'm sorry, since since June of 2016, so since I moved out to Hawaii, I've played 22 courses for the first time. Jeez, man, that good for you. That's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome, but it does get you know, like you said, it does get kind of <laughs> frustrating. Sure, but no, it, it it's cool. It's great. Like I would I would hate to come here with all these different courses and then just play like the same three courses every time. For sure. I've, I've gotten very lucky in the past year or so, like 13 months, I've gotten to see pretty much the best of the Northwest courses. I knocked off uh, Bandon Dunes, Pacific Dunes, Chambers Bay, and Tethero um, 
And all That's those are awesome. yeah, top 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 fifty in the U.S. Northwest is a. I think it's starting to get properly rated, but um, for a while there, it, it was pretty underrated as a golf destination. And it's it's been really fun to to check out all these courses. And uh, yeah, man, next time we do the 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 Northwest golf trip, we got to get you out here. Yeah, let's do it. So, Nick, I'm gonna let you drive the bus on the Tiger Talk because. I think you're a little more prepared for it than I am. So big doings in the world of Tiger Woods. I'm going to let you take the floor. Yeah, Joe, the other day I was uh, drinking my coffee, getting ready for work, and I uh, Tiger Woods videos of, of full swing started popping up. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and he's cleared for all golf activities. Um, he posted a video of him swinging like three or four different locations slash days. So... Um, yeah, he's hitting all of his clubs. He's cleared for all golf activities, which to me means he, he's playing as much as he wants. He's practicing every club in the bag. He's he's preparing for the Masters. I assume we'll see the typical Tiger Woods thing from the last five years where he you know, plays one or two tournaments before the Masters and goes in and tries to win at Augusta. So Hank Haney had a comment on one of his videos. This is a swing he could win with. What do you think? I think Hank Haney's an attention whore, but <laughs> yeah, <he is. laughs> but I digress. Um, look, I know that we spend a lot of time in this podcast getting excited about Tiger, the potential for him coming back, and for me, I'm sure for you too, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek because I don't necessarily think Tiger is going to play in the Masters. I, I just, what? yeah. I know what? I know we're six months away, but besides a seven-second clip, uh, a grainy clip, Tiger in his backyard with his 10-year-old son filming him hitting, you know, 260-yard drivers down the right side of the fairway. Like, what, what indication is there that Tiger is going to be well enough to play in a competitive golf tournament, let alone the Augusta National Invitational Golf Tournament? Show. Mark Steinberg said he's cleared for all golf activities. <laughs> what more indication do you need? Playing Augusta all is a golf, golf activity. Activities, Joe. <laughs> the Masters is a golf activity. So he's cleared for it. So you think he's going to play the Masters, really? hundred percent. Can we make an at the turn? But no, you know what? I don't want to do that because I don't want to root against Tiger playing in the Masters because I, I, I want to see the Masters. <laughs> it's not even a question. He is. He's, no. <laughs> he's, he's playing. Gonna, he's he's going to tee it up. Um, bet, I would bet right now that he makes the cut at the Masters. <laughs> what? Get out of here. You are saying that Tiger Woods is going to make the cut in the 2018 Masters? Yes. All right. I'm, I'm going to bet you some vice swag on that. <laughs> Joe, I can't believe you don't you don't believe in that. Like, no, I don't I believe just... in that. I've seen this movie, Nick. I know how it ends. It ends, oh. with, it ends with Tiger Woods oh. missing a cut in Dubai in February, trying to hit, <laughs> trying to hit a three-wood, going down to one knee because his back is in such bad shape. Like This has been the same thing the last four years. The only time I've gotten excited about Tiger in the last two years was at his tournament that they do in the Bahamas, the Hero World Challenge. It's like the silly season thing. They think they do it in December. Tiger shot something like a 66 and then started the next round with like three straight birdies and was like a couple shots off the lead. And I was like, oh, no, here we go, Tiger. Here he comes. <laughs> and then three months later, he has to withdraw from tournaments because his back can't hold up, man. I just don't yeah, think. Did you see his swing, though, Joe? It's different. It's different this time. He changed his swing. Does he it look different? Better. 
He's he's more mature. Yeah, it, it does look different. It looks worse. I don't think. It, I mean, it's it definitely different, but I don't think that's necessarily a good not thing. Swing analyst, but but it no. looks to me like he's protecting his back. Like he's swaying a little bit rather than rather than putting all that emphasis on his back. And that is way more swing analyst than I have the credentials to. That was to pretty give good. In a, <laughs> I guess in the podcast any sort of public forum. So I apologize for that, but it does look different to me. It definitely looks different. We've it talked about this. Well, look, we've we've talked about this in the past, Nick. For Tiger Woods to sustain, let's just say best case scenario is Tiger can play eleven tournaments in the PGA Tour, right? He hits that's not the best case scenario. That's not the best case scenario. Way, I'll tell you what you you lay out your best case scenario for Tiger in twenty eighteen. So, like, what when he was in his prime? What is he playing? Like seventeen events. Yeah, Tiger Tiger never played a lot of events. Let's just say, for the sake of this, he played something like 20 events. Okay, so he could play, I think, like 75 to 80%. Let's say he plays 16 events, 15, 16 events. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I think his, I think this time his back is strong. He's, he's going to protect his back. He's going to find a way to play where he can be successful and not damage him. Like, he's not going to be long bomb anymore. He's going to be, like, nifty you know, pulling, pulling tricks out of the bag and, uh, you know, doing it the old fashioned way. So he's going to protect himself. He's going to play a full schedule, you know, like 80% of a full schedule, 15, 16 events. And, uh, he's going to notch some victories. He might even contend in some majors, Joe. All right. So I think Tiger can play a very good round and shoot, you know, like a 69, maybe a 68. If he makes some putts, if he's playing with Fred Funk, Corey Pavin, some sort of old man that he is going to hit the ball by. The second Tiger Woods is paired with Dustin Johnson or Justin Thomas, he's going to lose his mind. There is no way Tiger can control his ego enough to allow someone to hit the ball by him 75 yards off the tee and for him to accept that and play his game where he's hitting a four iron into a green as opposed to Dustin Johnson who's hitting a nine iron. He's never been able to play that way. He's played one way his whole career. I just don't think he has the ability to do that. Hope I'm wrong. I just I just think Tiger's ego is still too big for him to be able to hit driver four iron into a four hundred yard hole. I don't know, Joe. You're kind of accusing Tiger of being mentally weak, you know, for lack of a better word. I think his mental toughness and uh, his mindset has always been a strength, and I think he's smarter than to just try to outdrive Dustin Johnson when he's had thirteen back surgeries. <laughs> Let me um, hang on a sec. I'm just I'm ch- checking my calendar. Is it? Is it is it 2002? Is it, uh, <laughs> is it is it is it 2008? No, it's 2017. My man hasn't won a major in a decade. Again, I hate taking the uh, the anti Tiger stance, but I, I just feel like it's the only realistic one. Um, so you, so you really think Tiger's? Do you think Tiger will win a golf tournament next year? Um, I think he'll come close. I think he'll win a golf tournament again. I don't know if it'll be 2018, 2019, 2021. You know, like, I think he's going to be back a regular on tour for the next, you know, five to seven years. And I think he's going to win some more. I think he's going to be a factor. I mean, to to sit here and say, like, yeah, he's definitely going to win in 2017, you know. I, I dig I your make that commitment. I but. dig your optimism, Nick. I I really do. And I know in the past I've been optimistic about stuff, but <laughs> now now that we've actually like seen enough to say, boy, is Tiger actually going to give this a go? Uh, I, I I guess we'll see what that looks like. I mean, obviously everyone wants to see it. 
How cool would it be to see Jordan Spieth and Tiger Woods playing together at Augusta? It would just be amazing. And Tiger's not, yeah. I mean, while we joke about Tiger being an old man, he's, he, he is in his early 40s. There, there, there was a time in professional golf when that was considered to be part of your prime of your career. So if Tiger can get his stuff together, he can keep his back healthy, and he's okay with averaging 270 yards off the tee, sure, I think he could contend. I just don't think Tiger has the ability to dial it back enough and be okay with someone else hitting the ball way past him, especially when you have his contemporary Lumpy himself, Phil Mickelson, who, you know, looks like a guy who plays some basketball at the YMCA every so often, and that's about the amount of exercise he gets, and he hits it 350 yards. I just don't think Tiger can accept that. Again, could be wrong. I, I, I just feel like this is what I've seen from Tiger over a long period of time in this injury-plagued part of his career, and I hope there's a new chapter. I, I just don't see it, man. The fact that you think the, the biggest thing holding him back is his ego, uh, I think that's probably one of the strongest parts of his game. I think he's not going to let that derail him, you know. So uh, we'll see, Joe. We'll see. But I, I hope uh, hope you're wrong. Me too. Me too. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to this edition of At The Turn. We're going to change the frequency of dropping podcasts. We're probably going to do about one every three weeks or so. Uh, we know it's football season. And we're still going to cover some of the stuff going on with the PGA Tour. If, if Tiger Woods plays in a golf tournament, we'll immediately jump to the podcast booth and uh, <laughs> yell about it for a little while. But we're probably going to do about one a month until we hit uh, the Hawaii swing in January. And, uh, yeah, it should, be, it should be a lot of fun. Nick, um, you got some cool things coming up. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go watch some soccer, and then tomorrow I'm going to go watch some soccer. And then uh, <laughs> next week or in a couple weeks... I'm going to a golf tournament, a college golf tournament in Maui, which should be a lot of fun. We'll, we'll talk about that on our next podcast. But um, I, I give you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at you know operations of a like 20-team college golf tournament, which should be pretty cool. Totally, um, Nick. Thank you for your time. Um, I think you need to go find your cat, though. Ah, uh, <laughs> damn it! Yeah, I almost <laughs> forgot. <laughs> Good luck out there, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.